how a lightning strike in Florida shows up on your computer screen in Alaska. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Chris Vygoski, Lightning Applications Manager at Vicella. Welcome, Chris. Well, thanks for having me, Tanya. What are some of your responsibilities at Vicella? Well, at Vicela as a Lightning Applications Manager, it's my job to take all of the Lightning data that we collect. We collect two and a half billion Lightning events around the world every year and really come up with good ways to use that data, uh, whether it's in a weather forecasting application, a public safety application, or in any number of new and unique ways that we can learn more about the atmosphere by understanding what's going on with Lightning. As warmer months arrive in the Northern Hemisphere, lightning and severe weather is something many of us have to plan for. Walk us through the process of detecting a lightning strike and transmitting that information from a storm to our apps and devices. What technology is involved along the way? Uh, you know, there's a lot of 800 pound brains out there that have figured out how to take the, the signal that lightning produces. And when lightning occurs anywhere around the world, anywhere in the atmosphere, whether it's in the cloud or whether it comes from the cloud to the ground, it acts like a giant radio antenna. And it transmits these electromagnetic waves around the world at the speed of light. Um, and there's a number of ways that you can detect and locate lightning. Uh, first one is your ears. And so when you hear the thunder, you're kind of your own personal lightning detector in that regard, or if you see the lightning flash, but that's not very specific. You get a, you know, it was over there somewhere. Um, so there are some other techniques that you can use to really pinpoint where the lightning occurred. Uh, what we use at Vaisla uh, is a combination of time of arrival and magnetic direction finding of the lightning waves. And so there are lightning sensors that we've strategically located around the United States for the National Lightning Detection Network and around the world for the global lightning data set, GLD360. And they are out there all the time, 24 seven, 365, just waiting for lightning waves to come over and say hello to them. Uh, we record down to the nanosecond when the lightning wave hits the sensor and we record the direction that it came from. So our antennas kind of point over to the east to you know 94.213 degrees. And it says at 413, 12.123456 seconds, this lightning wave came and said hello to me. We get detections uh, on anywhere from two to 40 sensors or more. And all of that data is sent then to our data processing center uh, in real time. And we can turn around a lightning solution. And a lightning solution is one, was there lightning? Two, was it in cloud, cloud to ground? Three, how powerful it was? Four, where was it? And we can turn that around in about 30 seconds. How do you know that different waves come from the same lightning bolt? It comes down to that really precise timing. We have the, the sensors that are smart sensors. So there's a lot of computing power in there that's looking at the very precise time that the lightning wave came to the sensor and it's actually looking at the shape of the wave. So you have a, a unique waveform with each lightning event that we can analyze to 
one verify that it is a, in fact lightning um, because there are other devices out there that make electromagnetic waves that can be picked up so we can filter out things that actually aren't lightning but then we can do comparisons to say okay all of these came from the same lightning event and we use all of that information to know where it came from how far away it came from whether it was in cloud or cloud ground and how uh, how powerful it was and you said about 30 seconds passed between the flash and transmitting the data? Yeah, so for lightning that occurs outside of the continental United States, we can get that in about 30 seconds. If it's within the United States, it's within 12 seconds. Um, there's a shorter distance between the sensors here in the US and our data processing center. Uh, so we don't have to wait as long to get all of the data to go through and create that solution for the United States. What are the specs, if you will, of a lightning bolt? How big is it? How fast does it travel? And how hot is it? Yeah, so when you hear thunder, the thunder is a shock wave that was produced by the lightning. And that shock wave occurs because lightning heats up the atmosphere around the lightning stroke, as we call it in lightning science, to uh, around 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So, it, you know, five times hotter than the surface of the sun is what uh, a lot of people often hear. So, I mean, it is extremely hot. Now, a lightning bolt itself, so the stroke of lightning that you see, is actually only about as big around as a golf ball. And so it's not very wide in diameter. It's, you know, between an inch and a half and two and a half inches in diameter. Um, one of my favorite statistics to, to share about lightning is if you think about your electrical socket, it has about 15 amps of current running through it. Lightning, on the other hand, averages around 30,000 amps. So it's at least 2,000 times more powerful than if you were to stick a fork in the, the electrical socket. So you definitely don't want to get hit by it. What are the most active lightning locations across the globe <clears throat> and in the U.S.? Yeah, we actually just released an interactive lightning map. Um, if you want to go to globallightningmap.com, you can play with it yourself, uh, scroll around to your favorite country, your favorite state, your favorite county, uh, and you can get all the information of how much lightning has occurred in the last five years. And on a country by country basis, uh, Singapore and Brunei are actually two of the most lightning prone regions in the world. Uh, Singapore, we detected about 127 lightning events. So that's in cloud and cloud to ground lightning events uh, per square kilometer per year. When you think of what is a square kilometer, um, I, it, to put it into terms uh, of like sports fields, so a professional football field, you would need about 187 of those to get one square kilometer. So when you think of 127 lightning events per square kilometer and the size of the lightning in diameter being about as big around as a golf ball, you just take 127 golf balls and go randomly throw them on 187 football fields. And that gives you kind of an idea of how much lightning occurs in some of the most lightning prone regions. Now here in the United States, uh, Seminole and Orange counties in Florida have some of the most lightning in the United States and they get about 159 events per square kilometer. So it, you know that's one of the, most lightning prone regions, you know, not just in the country, but perhaps even in the world. What are some of the applications for lightning data? 
how do organizations and governments use the data you produce? Yeah, so lightning data is especially critical for public safety. Um, it, it used to be in the United States that about 400 people every year were struck and killed by lightning. That number has come down substantially and we're now averaging about 20 to 25 people. So we've made leaps and bounds of improvement on lightning safety. Now in lightning uh, applications for weather forecasting, knowing where thunderstorms are and how intense the thunderstorms are, and you can kind of look at the amount of lightning as a proxy for how intense the updraft of a thunderstorm is. Uh, it's useful for understanding where the storms are, are moving to, how intense they are, if there's severe weather potentially occurring with them. Um, another kind of a unique case with lightning data for weather forecasting is in tropical cyclones. So a lot of tropical cyclones actually don't produce much lightning, but then there's a, a select subset of them, usually very intense tropical cyclones. So hurricanes that are your category four, your category five hurricanes, some of the biggest, baddest storms on earth that produce actually quite a bit of lightning in the eye wall. Um, so that's the area of the strongest winds in a tropical cyclone. And sometimes, you know, that wraps around the entire eye wall of the tropical storm. And uh, that's a, a, a phenomenon that's been termed the enveloped eye wall lightning signature. So it helps tropical weather forecasters and meteorologists to really understand some of the dynamics of the hurricane that, that they're monitoring. And you know, that's especially important to help understand how the storm may be intensifying or weakening. Disease storms can be you know, especially dangerous as they're approaching land. Um, perhaps my favorite use of lightning data, and this is a really, really unique use, uh, is volcanic lightning. And I, it combines two of the, probably the greatest forces on the planet, one being lightning and two being volcanoes. Um, you know, when volcanoes erupt, they put out a lot of ash a lot of times. And that ash can get ingested into jet engines and cause damage to the jet engines. It, it causes, you know, health impacts. It, you know, causes a lot of damage because if it gets wet, it turns basically into concrete and collapses buildings and things like that. So knowing where the ash is and knowing what is in, included in that ash, if there's perhaps ice crystals or liquid water, things like that, helps geologists and helps those that are monitoring uh, volcanoes to, to really know what's going on. And so there, there have been a number of volcanoes that have produced volcanic lightning. The La Soufriere volcano that has been erupting, uh, actually each time it had a, an explosive outburst was producing lightning. Uh, the Anat Krakatau eruption back in December of 2018, uh, that produced more lightning in an eruption than I've ever seen, uh, more than 300,000 events that we detected. So uh, these are some really unique cases. And you know, there's always something that you can learn about the atmosphere or about the planet when you're looking at lightning data and understanding where it's coming from and what event is actually producing that lightning. That's exciting. Will we ever be able to forecast lightning strikes? So forecasting, there, there's a, a couple of, of ways you can go about this. And you know, it's kind of a, a semantic discussion. Um, we forecast thunderstorms all the time. So you, know, you turn on the weather, you turn on the, the Storm Prediction Center website, and it'll say, OK, over this area, there's a 
30% chance, 30, 40, 50% chance of thunderstorms over this time period. So we're pretty good at knowing the conditions that you need to produce thunderstorms. And then when you have thunderstorms, you then get lightning. Now predicting where exactly lightning is going to occur. So telling somebody in two minutes, lightning is going to strike 50 feet away from you. That is way beyond the science capabilities right now. Whether it's something we'll ever be able to do, uh, I am skeptical of. Uh, there's so much that you would have to do to really understand or really predict you know, where the lightning is going to occur. I mean, it would be, okay, I need to make sure that I'm measuring that cloud up there and the charge in that cloud. And then I need to know how the stepped leader is going to come out of the cloud at 200,000 miles per hour and which path it's going to take to get to a certain spot on the ground. So it, it would be very difficult to get to the point that we can actually predict and say, okay, John, you're gonna have lightning you know, at your neighbor's house at 6.13 tonight. So, you know, be prepared. Um, but you know, science is always evolving and technology is always changing and developing. Maybe somewhere in the future we get there, but it, I mean, it's a, it's a long road ahead, I think. Chris Bogaski, Lightning Applications Manager at Visala. Thanks for joining us, Chris. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to find out more about how to, you know, track lightning. What's the best way they can do that? Yeah, you know, one of the really good ways to, to reach me is to follow me on Twitter. I am at CO Weatherman, so the Colorado Weatherman. And I, uh, I post a lot of unique uh, lightning stories. Uh, Colorado Weatherman at CO Weatherman on Twitter. Sounds great. Thanks again, Chris. Yep. Thank you. And find and subscribe to more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.